Last week, I began a brief sermon series called Oh Holy Night. And just three weeks, we're talking about a different line from this beloved carol or, or hymn, Oh Holy Night. We're talking about in this series the earth-shattering significance of the arrival of Christ, the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Last week, we talked about this line, long lay the world in sin and error pining. And then we talked about the next line that comes right after that in the song too, until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Today, this is our line, our lyric from this song. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. The weary world. The world is weary. Alex earlier talked about feeling overwhelmed. And I bet he's not the only one in the house who can relate. Back in April, I preached a sermon about being tired. I preached it from my back porch. We were not meeting in person at the time. I preached it from my back porch and you watched it at home. And I talked about feeling tired and how Jesus can provide rest. And I think back to all the way back to April. You know, we thought we were tired then. I thought I was tired then. But that was before the summer of civil unrest that our nation went through. That was before the second and third waves of this virus of the peak of COVID. That was before the election madness. It was before all that. Maybe some of you are tired of me bringing that stuff up. You want to come to church to escape all that. But we don't need to come to church to escape all that is going in our world. We come together as Christians to understand how we as Christians ought to respond to all the stuff that is going on in the world. To learn how the gospel speaks to everything that is happening in our society today. But suffice it to say, all this stuff and more has made us exhausted. I'm not sure any of us realize how exhausted we are. And you know, when you're tired, you're not at your best. I know that when I'm tired, I'm not at my best. I am more irritable. I am more easily angered. And I think as a country, we haven't been at our best. Maybe as individuals, you haven't been at your best with your family. People in churches and congregations across our country haven't been at their best. And there have been spats and arguments and fights over masks and over how often to meet and how to meet and whether to meet at all. People have, have, have not gotten along over this stuff and a lot of other issues as well because we're weary. We're weary. This is a weary world in which we find ourselves. And the world on the eve of Jesus' arrival well, that was a weary world too. I'm speaking specifically about God's people. About His historic people from the Old Testament. The nation of Israel. They were tired on the eve of Jesus' arrival. They were tired of Roman occupation. They knew, the faithful Jews, that they were supposed to be their own sovereign nation. Over which God would rule as king. They found themselves in the first century under the thumb of the Roman Empire. They were tired of Roman occupation. They were tired of rotten leadership. 
The Jewish leaders themselves were sorry excuses for shepherds watching over the flock of Israel. I think about what Ezekiel has to say in Ezekiel chapter 34. And this is many years before the first century when Jesus arrives. But I think what Ezekiel has to say about the shepherds of Israel can apply to those leaders who were overseeing the people during the time of Jesus. Ezekiel writes, or or the word of the Lord uh, through him says, verse 4, or I'll start at verse 2, the shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? In Jesus' day, there was selfish, self-centered leadership. Verse 4, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel's day, there were sorry shepherds over Israel. In Jesus' day, before Jesus arrived, it was the same story. And the people were tired of rotten, hypocritical leadership. And they were tired of waiting on the Lord. They knew from the Old Testament the importance of waiting on the Lord. The benefits of waiting on the Lord had been extolled to them in places like Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I have this text up on the screen. I wait for the Lord, the psalmist says. My soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. They knew that verse. And they knew Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31. And I have this one up here for you too. You know it. Even youth shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They knew they were supposed to be waiting on the Lord. Waiting on Him to show up in history, in dramatic fashion, and bring about redemption and restoration to His people, to Israel. That's what they were waiting on. But on the eve of Jesus' arrival, patience was running thin. And we can have no doubt that they were asking, when is God finally going to show up? I know I'm supposed to wait patiently and eagerly and confidently, and when I do, God will strengthen me, but I'm tired of waiting. When is God going to show up? And then, a baby. A baby was born. As I said last week in a backwater village called Bethlehem, two nobodies from Nazareth named Mary and Joseph welcomed a baby into the world. In the midst of those loud, smelly farm animals. Because there was no room in the inn. And of course we know this was no ordinary baby. The angel Gabriel had already spoken to this baby's mother, Mary, in Luke chapter 1. and He said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This was no ordinary child. This was the Christ child. This was the long awaited Messiah. That Mary would give birth to. And an angel had also appeared. To his father Joseph. And said. And this is in Matthew chapter 1. Your soon to be wife Mary will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. This is who 
they had been waiting for. Now he came in a manner that they did not expect. He was not the Messiah. They, he didn't look like the Messiah. He didn't look like they thought the Messiah would look. He came humbly. He lived humbly. He was not the hard-charging king that they expected to come in with a sword and fight back the Romans and reestablish the sovereignty of Israel. It was different, but Scripture reveals to us that he would sit on the throne of his father David just the same. That he was of the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Jesus' arrival brought a thrill of hope to a weary world. A thrill of hope. Jesus' arrival was a shot of hope in the arm to a tired people. And hope powerfully transforms lives. The difference between hopeless and hopeful is, well, it makes all the difference in the world. It's the difference between joy and misery. The difference between aimlessness and purpose. The difference between death and life. Your whole life changes. It's transformed when you move from hopeless to hopeful. Hope transformed the life of this man on the screen behind me. Alex Edrake. The photo of this young man went viral back in 2016. And at that time I saw it. But I didn't take the time to learn the story behind it. This picture, some of you may remember it, making its rounds on the internet, was taken during the commencement ceremony of the U.S. Military Academy in West Point. Alex Adrake began his life thousands of miles away from there, though, in a, in a place worlds apart. You see, he was raised in a slum in Haiti, the most impoverished country in the Western Hemisphere. When he was growing up, his father knew that the family situation in Haiti was just unworkable. And he tried for several years to obtain a, obtain a visa for his family to come to the United States of America. Well, after being denied for several years, the family was finally granted a spot in Baltimore. They boarded a boat and left Haiti, Haiti and never went back. After they arrived, Alex began to look for ways to join the U.S. Army. So he found a National Guard program that allowed him to join the Army in exchange for his citizenship. And he didn't hesitate. Well, after a series of fortunate circumstances, Alex Adrake was given one of the few spots at West Point for soldiers who had, who had been prior enlisted. Well, despite his severe lack of formal education, this young man graduated with honors from West Point, and he was the top student in the physics department. This picture right here, with tears flowing down Alex's cheek, was taken moments before he tossed his hat in the air to celebrate his graduation from, from West Point. He went on to become a U.S. Army Blackhawk pilot, was chosen to attend Marine Expeditionary Warfare School. Oh, but I left out something important. And that's why Alex wanted to be in the U.S. military in the first place. You see, when he was a boy growing up in the slums of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, he would see U.S. soldiers in his country of origin conducting 
humanitarian missions, providing aid to the poor people of Haiti. And he says that their presence, the presence of those soldiers, was the first experience of hope he recalls in his childhood. So because of that, he wanted to become one, a U.S. soldier, when he grew up. Hope. Hope has the power to transform lives. Jesus' arrival gave a shot in the arm, a shot of hope in the arm to those lowly shepherds who were out in the fields on just another ordinary night watching their sheep as they had countless nights before, but this was no ordinary night because the Savior had been born. And an angel came to announce His arrival to these shepherds, these blue-collar shepherds watching their flocks. The angel appeared before them and said, Fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And almost immediately after the angel announced the Savior's arrival, a whole host of angels in heavenly light began to sing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. And the shepherds found their way to Bethlehem, to the place where baby Jesus lay in a manger. And when they came into that place, they told Mary and Joseph what they had experienced. Must have been incredible to Mary and Joseph because we're told Mary treasured up that story in her heart. And then the shepherds went back to business as usual, watching their sheep, but they left glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. You know, we don't hear from these shepherds again in the Scriptures. But their lives must never have been the same, right? You can't just go back to being an ordinary shepherd after experiencing what they experienced. Surely, the hope of the arrival of Jesus transformed their lives and they were never again the same. These lowly shepherds to show that Jesus' arrival can bring hope to people of every station in life. From the most important people in our society to the lowliest, to those who are on the margins, to those that everybody else overlooks and forget about, forgets about. Jesus brings hope to all people, even people like those lowly shepherds. What about those faraway wise men? The ones from the east, from well outside the promised land, who looked up and they saw a star in the sky. It was the star that had risen with the arrival of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And they began to follow the star westward. And the star leads them to the house where Jesus dwelled with His parents, Mary and Joseph. And the wise men go in and they've brought gifts. We don't know how many there were, but normally we think of there being three because there were three gifts. Frankincense and gold and myrrh. And they present them before this child. And they fall down and they worship Him. These wise men. Showing that the arrival of Jesus brings hope to people far and wide. To people of every nation, tribe and tongue. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. The arrival of Jesus can bring hope to you. And Jesus brought hope to an elderly man named Simeon. Who had long been waiting for the arrival of Jesus. Do you know the story of Simeon that's recorded in Luke chapter 2? We read about Simeon 
when we read about Jesus' parents taking him up to the temple to be presented for the Lord, it was a, a, a tradition, part of, the, part of the law of Moses for them to go and be purified. And there was a man there in the temple courts in Jerusalem, and his name was Simeon. And we're told in Luke chapter 2 that he was righteous and devout, and he was waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and God had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And just like every other promise that God has ever made to anyone, God makes good on this one. Lo and behold, in walk Mary and Joseph with his child. And God reveals to him, yes, this is the one. And he comes in to the where... That this young family is standing and he takes the child in his arms. I wonder if Mary and Joseph were just a little bit startled that this stooped, elderly, bearded man comes up and grabs the child from their arms and he says, he blesses God, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon, who's been waiting for so long for the consolation of Israel, for the arrival of the Messiah, gets to see it with his own eyes. And it goes to show it, no, no matter how long you've been waiting for the Lord to show up in your life, he will not let you down. He didn't let Simeon down. He won't let you down either. Abraham had to wait for decades before that promised offspring came along. People throughout the Scriptures teach us, they show us that waiting on the Lord is always worth it. It was worth it for Simeon. And what about this elderly lady, Anna? We read about her in, the, in verse 36 of chapter 2. She was a prophetess. She was advanced in years. She was an elderly widow and she never left the temple. She worshipped day and night with prayer and fasting. And coming up at that very hour, she saw Jesus. And she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. The watchful waiting Anna also got to see the arrival of Jesus. The shepherds, the wise men, Simeon, Anna, and so many more. And Jesus' arrival can bring a thrill of hope into your weary world too, into the weary world of all these folks. All these folks that I love. My brothers and sisters in Christ in Winchester. My church family. These folks who, some of whom are pretty weary too. They're exhausted. They're tired. Maybe even a little bit of hopelessness has set in. Maybe that's too strong a word. But just a hint of it, maybe. Jesus can bring hope to these people too. He can be a shot of hope in the arm for me and for all of you sitting out here today. And only Jesus can do that. See, our problem is we look for hope in all the wrong places. We look for hope in political leaders. And we look for hope in otherworldly endeavors, and uh, we look for hope in self-help solutions, but only Jesus, the Savior of the world, can provide hope to a weary people. Jesus. He's the answer. Jesus can bring hope to us. 
I don't know why you're weary. Maybe you're weary because of the world events that I mentioned earlier. Maybe you're weary because of something going on in your family. Some difficulty you're having with a sibling or a mother or father or child made you weary. It's just made you, made you feel tired. I don't know if you're weary because of something that's happening at work or school or in some other relationship, a friendship maybe. It's hit, hit the rocks and, and it's caused you to feel weary and tired. But let me tell you, the fact that Jesus came the first time, the fact, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that He showed up after Israel had been waiting for hundreds of years, the Messiah finally came. The fact that He came the first time gives us hope that He will come a second time. That's the Christian hope. That He will come. That He's coming that there will be a judgment, that the dead in Christ will rise, that we will dwell with God forever. This is the source of the Christian hope. And let me tell you something, when I say hope, I am using it in the biblical sense. We use the word hope as a, like a synonym for wishful thinking. Oh, I hope that happens. I sure hope. I'm not so sure, but I hope. The New Testament uses hope to talk about bold expectation, confident belief that something was going to come to pass. And when we talk about hope, we're talking about confidence. Jesus will come again. That's how Paul uses the word hope in our text, the text that was read for us earlier, starting in verse 23 of Romans chapter 8. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, the deliverance from this weary world in which we find ourselves. We groan for the coming of our Lord. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We're waiting. We're waiting as they waited. Maybe we're tired and weary as they were tired and weary. We're waiting for the second coming as our spiritual ancestors waited for the first. But because of hope. We wait with patience. And we wait with confidence. And our waiting brings strength to our weary bones. Because we know that He came the first time and He will come the second time and His coming will for us mean life, eternal life and eternal glory and peace and joy forevermore. That's what His coming means. That's what His coming will mean for all of us. I love what Wes McAdams says, preacher who I follow, associated with on Facebook, he says, no one who has waited on the Lord has ever been disappointed. No one who has waited on the Lord has ever been disappointed. You waiting on the Lord? I'm waiting on the Lord to show up. I'm waiting on my Lord Jesus to return, to appear for a second time. The Bible tells me just as everybody else in this grand book, whoever waited on the Lord to show up in their lives, they weren't disappointed, I won't be either. And neither will you. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. and We would rejoice today if there's anybody here 
who has not given their life to Christ and you decide on this day to do just that. To come and confess His name, to repent of your sins, to be baptized and come up out of that water a new creature. Or if you need prayers for any reason, if you're struggling in any way with a sense of hopelessness, with a, a, a weariness, with an impatience, we want to pray with you and for you for spiritual strength and healing. I want to end with a blessing of sorts. It's not the way I normally end a sermon, but I'd like to. Straight from the Scriptures, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. These are my departing words to you. The words of Paul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. If you need to come for any reason, why don't you do that right now as we stand and sing?